What does it look like to fully live on this side of eternity? Liz and I invite you to coffee each week as we find encouragement in God's word, cultivate gratitude in a discontent culture, and embrace the abundant life that Christ came to give. This podcast is for you if you're ready for pop culture chats and deep conversations at the Waffle House. This kind of podcast will make you laugh, think deeply, and encourage you as you pursue an abundant life in Christ. Hi friends! Today is sponsored by my small business with The Shepherd. Sponsors help us keep the podcast affordable and accessible to you, our listeners. With The Shepherd is making a way for all believers to be healthy, flourishing disciples that make disciples. We want to see every churchgoer enjoying a vibrant relationship with Jesus, rooted in truth and expressed in worship. We do this through strategic coaching, personalized retreats you can do from anywhere, and at-your-own-pace workbooks, and the community blog. We hope this episode gives you the vision and motivation you need to step forward in your 2023 goals. We want to make sure that we aren't sinking in defeat and we're making sure to move forward and knowing that we don't need January 1st. But if you'd like to go deeper and have accountability in goals, one of our personalized spiritual retreats are for you. Every retreat, um, there's a three-hour, eight-hour, and 48-hour option at With the Shepherd is personalized to the ways in which you experience the friendship of God. We focus on not only an excellent retreat experience, but creating sustainable action steps on the other side of your retreat to implement real growth and transformation. We will link more information in the show notes, and we would love to walk alongside you in that. So for today's segments, we wanted to start off by sharing about a post that we can't stop thinking about. So Emily, I would love to hear from you first. What is that post, whether if it's, maybe it's a meme, something silly, whether if it's an Instagram reel or are you on TikTok? Can you remind me? Are you one of those TikTok girlies? I'm not. You're not. <laughs> okay. I don't know why I just assumed you were. I'm also not. Um, well, so whether if it was a video, whether if it was a graphic or an image, can you just tell us what's that post that's been on your mind and heart recently? Yeah. Okay. You added meme or something that made me laugh into that. And last night I saw a guy... Um, he's like refurbishing wood and his wife threw a fake snake at him (laughs) and he screamed like a little girl and I laughed for so long. (laughs) That's amazing. Those things are awful. Okay. I babysat recently and one of the kids threw a fake cockroach at me. The plastic ones. And this, this snake was like, like an electronic remote controlled one. And so like it was moving. (gasps) And he screamed like a little girl. And in fact, I laughed so hard that Zach thought I was watching Modern Family. He was like, you just love him, don't you? And I'm like, who are you talking about? And he's like, Cameron. And I said, no, I'm watching it real. So that made me laugh. And it like really helped the Sunday scaries last night. We're recording this on a Monday. Yeah. And that brought a lot of life. But... The post um, that I'm thinking of 
I didn't want to go to a post that was just like, oh, I'm going to go find one that was good this week. I really wanted to share one that I haven't been able to shake, um, just to be truly um, reflective of the segment. And Caroline Lunny wrote about summer vacation cancer and the song Sweet Caroline on her. She sends a newsletter every single Friday, and she'll have a short essay and then includes Friday finds at the end and so her mom is battling stage four cancer and so is my mom and so it was just really precious it was about how the Lord cares about the small details of our lives even in the midst of um, huge tragedy and huge trial how he is caring about the big thing but he also like just shows such intimate um, and cares about your small prayers or what we would consider to be a small prayer and so I remember reading that on a road trip that afternoon and just thinking through quality time differently thinking through looking for him in the small moments differently and also just feeling really known it's a club I don't want anyone to ever be in but at the same time to know that um there's what she wrote about was she they were seeing a musician and she was sitting next to her mom and just how joyful moments can feel sorrowful because of all of the unknowns and even just that in itself was like oh my gosh that's a name to something that I have been experiencing over the last year plus and didn't know how to name it as like a living grief even though the person I love is right here with me. And so I've just been thinking about all of that a lot. That, that phrase that you just said, living grief, where, where did you say you heard that? Okay. So I'm in a confessional, yes, I'm in a confessional community and I can talk more about that at some point, (laughs) but my friend Allison shared that with me last week. She was like, you are living grief. And um, it it is weird, right? Because according to the world, I'm not grieving, praise God. (laughs) But there are things that we are grieving every single day because our life will never be the same. And with such huge things going on, you need to give yourself the grace of knowing that you're grieving the way things used to be. Wow. What you just said articulated like five years worth of like (laughs) trying to be able to explain and like make sense of that kind of sorrow. Mm -hmm. That is so helpful. It is so helpful. And so, so honest and I mean, I know we like weren't really planning on going super into depth, but like I just so appreciate you sharing that and you know, always being willing to share your heart. I'm always encouraged after any of our interactions or conversations, whether if it's, you know, a quick comment or DM on social media or when we have, you know, these conversations for the podcast and So I just really appreciate you saying that because I've never heard it phrased in that way. And I think that that is so, it's almost like 
not comforting because the pain, the grief is still mm-hmm. there, but it's comforting in the sense of like, it kind of helps you. It helps bring clarity. I think we can feel. So you say living, living grief. Yeah, I think that we can feel like we're overreacting to life. Like, why, why is my body mm-hmm. so tired? Why can't I get anything done? Why is this so hard? And I think whether you're going through something completely different than cancer, there's things that we face in life that if we, if we acknowledge that we are living grief and we're walking through suffering that isn't going to be over in two weeks, it isn't going to be over when money hits the bank, it's not going to be over if, um, you know, we enter a relationship, if it's, if it's more of a long-term longevity type of suffering, you have to, if you acknowledge how that takes your energy and how that takes belief and how that takes hope to live in and to all of that, I think it helps give yourself grace, but also know how to push forward and know, oh, this is what we're dealing with. It's not just a normal day. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I just, I'm going to have to write that down because that's just so encouraging, especially to the believer. You know, like Mm -hmm. we long, we long for eternity and our hope is in Christ, but yet we, we, we can experience the goodness of the Lord in the here and now, but it's important to remember like when we are suffering that God is still present and that, you know, we can hold on to the promise where it says in Revelation that, you know, one day the Lord will wipe away every mm-hmm. tear. But I, I was literally just saying this to my husband like a couple days ago. I like felt so homesick mm-hmm. and uh, actually kind of similar to what you mentioned about your mom is one of my um, one of my older brothers is a burn survivor. And I mean, physically, you know, like what you mentioned um there are certain illnesses where, I mean, the impact on the physical body is just so incredibly excruciating and it's, it's so painful. It's so painful to endure, Mm -hmm. but then it's also really painful for caregivers and family members to watch those that they love experience that. So I was literally telling my husband that the other day, I was like, I just want the Lord to wipe away every tear right now. now. Like, I don't want to keep crying this much about that, you know? But then I was like, okay, but there will come a day. There will come a day, Lord. Mm -hmm. So help me, like, cling to that hope, even when it feels like it's, like it's going to take forever to get there. And so, but thankfully, our, our present suffering is not forever. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, thank you for sharing that. I hope that it also encourages all of you that are listening, whether, you know, you're experiencing a similar circumstance, any sort of trial or tragedy that you would know that living grief is, it's, yeah, it's valid, those emotions, you don't just get Mm -hmm. over it, it's, it's lifelong. Um, The post that I've been thinking about is a graphic that just has text on it and it's I guess technically would be considered a poem but it's by I really hope I pronounce her last name right um that's kind of tricky thing about social media is if you never see a video you're like I don't know know how they say it I'm just reading their words (laughs) 
So I think her name is pronounced Laura Whiffler, but again, could be pronounced differently, but she's an author. She's also the co-founder of Risen Motherhood. And so she wrote, this was probably about two months ago, but I saved it on my phone and have thought about it a lot. And so I'll just go ahead and read it real quick, but it says, sorry, I can't come to the internet right now. I'm busy slowing down to lie in the sun busy eating popsicles and drawing in chalk with the kids i apologize i'm already overbooked with trimming the oh i never know how to pronounce this flower peonies i think is the I right think that's way. right <laughs> okay hopefully and a water gunfight immediately following finishing the last book in my favorite series you see i have a scheduling conflict with the world wide web i'm waiting barefoot in the creek laughing at the dog pouncing on crawdads I've got to go. I have an appointment to keep. What's so important, you ask? I'll be holding my hand on my child's chest just to feel the steady beat of their heart. So she writes a lot. She writes a lot about social media and the internet. And uh, I guess coincidentally enough, she writes about writing. And so she writes a lot about like the creative process and she takes a lot of breaks on social media. Mm -hmm. um, and so I just, yeah, when I read that, it was like at the start of the summer, it was probably like May or June sometime. And so I was just thinking about like how growing up, not everyone can relate to this, but I would say like older Gen Z and millennials, like we know what it's like to grow up without cell phones. I think my first cell phone was like a, a pink flip phone, flip phone that was like a knockoff, like mm -hmm. razor when everyone yes. wanted razors yes. at the time. And then, yeah. So all that to say is there was a time in which everyone just had home phones. And so if you were away, no one could reach you. And so with, technology advancing there's a lot of pros but i've just have really felt challenged to be intentional about unplugging and just getting away from a screen because i mean the amount of hours i'm looking at a screen per day is because of mm -hmm. work you know so it's it's like eight hours a day and then on top of scrolling on instagram wanting to write my newsletter and so in addition to work and then the hobbies and then like, oh, I want to relax and watch, you know, TV for the night, I end up spending like probably like the entire time I'm awake mm -hmm. on a screen, which is kind of scary mm -hmm. to think about. So, yeah, I just was really challenged and motivated by that post to like I started using the do not disturb feature on my phone and I've been trying to I haven't been consistent, but can't wait to dig deeper into this when we talk about our goals but I just have been trying to like put my phone in my home office at the end of the night so that I just have a regular alarm to wake me up so those that. are just like some things that I've been trying to do as I've been thinking about this post like okay sorry sorry I'm not at my phone sorry I'm not at my screen at my desk right now I'm enjoying life fully without FOMO. yes <laughs> trying okay to so what I was way. going to say you know? was so that this reminds me of and it just displays the joy of missing out and how I cannot remember where I heard that the first yes. time. But just the thought of like 
the things that we are you can have FOMO because you're missing the internet and you're missing the opportunity that you're grasping for or you can think about oh I think it was Sadie Robertson Huff I think I think that's where I heard it first and she talked about yeah how she had to give herself the perspective of what am I missing in time with the Lord what am I missing with my husband what am I missing with my girlfriends if I live distracted versus if I show up with my whole presence to the internet in smaller gaps and when I show up with my present self most of the time with my people and so I think that just whether you could relate to the example that she wrote at all I think that would be a fun writing prompt I think to think through what what's the joy of missing out in your life so that's what I want to do from reading what you just read you have so many mic drops already and we're just at the we're just talking about the segments today i'm just so excited for everyone listening like that's so good the joys of missing out like we're actually going to experience so much joy when we're away from technology Mm -hmm. that's so good another thing i want to write down from the and there's just i think when we come to the internet with that lived experience um it's tangible that we've spent time in the presence of God. Like you can just tell if someone's creating content or if they are creating from a deep well. And I think we Mm. actually, it feels counterintuitive, but it's actually really helpful for every area of life. Okay. So do you want to explain what this whole Mount Rushmore concept is before we jump into this question? Because we're going to talk about the Mount Rushmore of fiction Yes, books. we definitely want to give credit to the Walk in Love podcast. The Walk in Love podcast is one I've referenced before. I will again. They are my favorite husband-wife duo um, that I listen to every single week. And one of their segments is creating Mount Rushmore's. Whether that's, I remember one time they did Mount Rushmore of their favorite fruit, Mount Rushmore of their year or their month as a way to recap and look at what God had done in the last season. And so it's just a really fun way to ask for your top four of anything. What are you carving into stone as your favorite ice cream flavors or your favorite moments with the Lord in your testimony. It can be a little bit of everything. So today, I'm really curious. I had my friend Mariah ask me this last week for three of my favorite fiction books. And first I narrowed it down to eight. And then I had to be really picky to get it down to three. So I wanted to start asking others. So Liz, let us know what is your Mount Rushmore of fiction books. So not necessarily that you've read this year, but just from your whole life that's really stand out to you. Yeah. Yeah, that's a great question. I love how that's like a good way to, you can have a conversation that starts off silly and lighthearted and then can be, you know, a little bit like, more serious with someone and so I, mm-hmm. I love that that's a great a great way to like I should use build it friendships outside like of this yeah marriage, you know <laughs> I agree yeah <laughs> another thing I'm writing down <laughs> you're welcome um, okay so 
I'm so enlightened <laughs> already. <laughs> um, so the Mount Rushmore of fiction books for me. Okay, so I have a confession. When you mentioned that you wanted to ask this question, I was like, oh, no. Okay, so I had not read fiction for 10 years, a whole decade up until this last mm. fall. And I think maybe because college, the focus was like, okay, you, there's so much required reading that you, most students just do not have any time for reading for pleasure, you know, like anything outside of like their textbooks, you know, their curriculum, etc. So I think because of that, I just had not read fiction in years. And I just, I don't know, like, I had, I enjoy reading nonfiction, but I realized, like, how kind of silly it was that I was, like, convinced that, like, oh, because it's not productive, that it's not, like, worthwhile. And I just have seen how it's been really, like, fun, really restful. Honestly, like, even just, like, a practical standpoint is, like, my eyes are taking a break from looking at a screen, just like mm -hmm. I already mentioned, you know? Like, I wear contacts and glasses, and so I feel like even just for that reason, it's good to do it. So the first, maybe I'll go backwards. The first book that I read this past fall and was like, oh, my goodness, I do love fiction because I love movies and shows, so... I think a lot of my friends were trying to convince me like, no, you will enjoy fiction. You just have to find the genre that you enjoy. And so I read the first fiction book that I've read since like 10 years ago was Treed by Emily Henry. And it just had a really good combination of like sad girl <laughs> vibes. <laughs> Which, why am I drawn to that? I'm not surprised. I don't, know. I don't know why I've always been drawn to that. <laughs> I've always been like just very introspective and like yeah anyways that's a whole nother you know topic to talk about so anyways it had a combination of sad girl vibes but also like very hopeful sweet like romance so if you have not read any of Emily Henry's books you should try that so Beach Read I've read a couple of her other ones currently reading one of her other ones I think it's called book lovers um so beach read i think was like my reintroduction to fiction and i really enjoy like rom-com funny lighthearted, a little bit sad but nothing like too dark heavy or like suspenseful so if anyone listening has recommendations for me feel free to message me on instagram and the other three quickly that i'll go through is i didn't have a specific favorite one with like the american girl like doll series but I just remember being hooked on that series when I was in elementary school and just like all the girls in my class, I remember they would do like book challenges and you would get prizes for like how many books you read in a semester or over the summer. So for a, for a while I was really hooked on those. And then I remember reading in elementary school a book called Number the Stars, which takes place historically uh, during the Holocaust. And so... It's, I can't remember, um, there's a name, it starts with a P, I don't know how to pronounce it, this is really embarrassing, but it has, you know, like, when you see a book that has that, that sticker on it, and it's like, this was a awarded, like, a Pulitzer. 
Yeah. Yes, thank you. Mm-hmm. Yes. So it was an incredible read and it was very thought provoking and surprisingly, I mean, because it was made for children and so the way that they address it is just done very it's done very well. So I just remember I don't remember like every detail of the story, but I remember like that being such a such an impactful book in my life when I was like in fourth or fifth grade. And then the other one is Holes. I loved the book and then the movie adaptation. And to this day, I still love, that's like one of my favorite movies. And so I really love that book. And I've thought about maybe going back and just rereading a ton of like kid age books, because I think those would be really fun and lighthearted. And just like, it's kind of hard to find (laughs) clean fiction. Yeah, You know what I mean? So you kind of, I always have to like skip through some chapters and stuff, you know. So I, yeah, those are mine. What about you? I have two from high school and two that I've read in the last three or four years. So the first, I think this is the one I read the longest ago, is Israel My Beloved by Kay Arthur. And Kay Arthur is a Bible study teacher, and that's how I had seen her name in church circles. I think this was in our church library is how I first read it, but it is a historical fiction, sort of. Um, so there's this, the main character is the personification of the country of Israel from creation to Jesus coming home or coming back, I should say. So, it talks about the people of Israel and how she was able to span that much time in this one book in a way that was engaging, that made you think deeply. Obviously, um, it's not meant to be treated as scripture because of the creative liberties that she takes with personification and all of those things, but it was just so fascinating and thoughtful and so I always if someone's having a hard time getting into fiction for the same reason that I often don't read it um, and what you were talking about earlier Liz is maybe that is a certain maybe that book could help you jump into reading fiction again because there are so many things that you can pull from it that um, while I don't think we need to be productive when we're reading always it does help you feel like you're just making steps forward as you read Uh, Dear Mr. Knightley by Catherine Ray. She writes a series of books that are sort of modern adaptations for people um, really familiar with Jane Austen. And I remember Dear Mr. Knightley just really inspiring me. It was just a feel-good romance, but it also really inspired me to write deeply and to not just write at the surface level. Uh, Lady Clementine by Marie Benedict. Marie Benedict is a newer author that I found. I am slowly reading everything by her. She writes historical fiction, which is my favorite, (laughs) as you can tell. She writes historical Mm -hmm. fiction of women in history that have been overshadowed or their stories haven't been told as she believes they deserve to be. And so this one is particularly about Winston Churchill's wife and how so much of her own... 
experiences, advice, all the things impacted him and his decisions and also her own <laughs> her own life and outreach to her country. So uh, the fourth, yeah. The Vanishing Half by Britt Bennett. Um, this one caught me from Bookstagram because of how beautiful the cover was and Britt Bennett is an excellent writer. Um, I can't tell you a lot of details about what the book was about. If I'm honest, I know it's about two sisters and I can name some details and like some spoilers, but I remember because of how beautifully written it was, I did not want it to end. So that's why it deserves a spot. All right, friends. So today we want to talk about grace-filled goals and we specifically want to think about it, um, here at a little bit over the midpoint through the year we want to reflect on maybe resolutions that we made that we want to refresh that we want to keep maybe some that we want to let go how to just reassess in a way that is centered on christ and not centered on hustle culture how can we mentally start fresh and we want to look at the truth that in christ we're never stuck there's always an option of letting go of something that has not been helpful or fruitful that needs to be pruned from our lives we can always look up and ask for help um so with all of that said of the overarching themes of the meat of today's conversation liz why are we talking about this now in late August why are we talking about our new year's resolutions and goals even though we're halfway through the year I really wanted to talk about this topic in particular because something that I've noticed on social media especially and You know, there might be some of you who listen to this podcast and you're like, wow, Emily and Liz talk about social media a lot. But like, it's literally our professions. (laughs) So there's a lot of overlap in our personal Mm -hmm. lives as well. So with that being said, you know, it's like, it's the main source in which I like consume content, you know, like I'm, I'm not reading newspaper, I'm looking at social media. (laughs) So with that being said, something that I've noticed within social media culture which is always really funny because when I tell, when I try to talk to Austin, my husband, about like certain trends that are going on, he's like, what, what do you mean? Like, what are you talking about? (laughs) I'm like, you know how like on Twitter it says trending? That's what I'm talking about. So with all that being said is something that I've noticed is like hype culture. A lot of people Hmm. like to get excited. Hmm. They're excited about the newness of, seasons and changes and transitions I think we're all very much like we just like hype and so not necessarily a bad thing I think it's really sweet when you know you post about launching a new product or you're starting a business or like I remember when I started my email newsletter it was so exciting and encouraging to see people like rally for me you know and so I think we're all like lovers of launches and like news and updates and announcements. We get really excited and hyped about like engagement announcements, pregnancy announcements, new ideas, fresh starts. And I think that's what is so appealing about like 
the start of a new month and the start of a new year is there's like this newness where we kind of just try to like, you know, push all the other stuff to the side. And then we're like, all right, here's like my new beginning. But very rarely do we celebrate the like resilience and the perseverance Mm, that it takes to continue growing a business, a ministry, a marriage, parenting, etc. And so I have really tried to, and I, I'm mentioning this specifically because I think it's like good social media etiquette. And so I would hope to try to model that well for others. And if some of you have never heard of this, like I would encourage you, like try to do that. You know, even if you use social media just for fun, just for your personal life. And it's not necessarily like a business. Um, something that I try to do is like, if someone posts about a wedding anniversary, I try to comment because I just have seen a lot of people comment frequently on the newness, the launches, like I said, the announcements, but then very rarely do people engage with posts about Mm -hmm. like, they've been married for (laughs) two years. Like, you know, a lot of people get excited about the one year mark for things, but then two years, five years, like, I want to celebrate the people that have been married for 25 years. put in the work you know like or the number (laughs) yeah yeah or even like the numbers the numbers this is such a silly quirk that I have but like I like even numbers not odd numbers so it's like I should celebrate people that have been married for seven years doesn't have to be 10 for me to get on board and Mm -hmm. celebrate you know and so with all that being said I I want to try to be the kind of person who celebrates ordinary moments even even when life feels Mm -hmm. mundane and so and that can be really hard but the reason why I say that is because I really truly believe that milestones every single milestone is the sum total of daily consistent Mm -hmm. habits and so I want to celebrate the girl who's posting about how she's been a parent and her kid is turning five or you know like I want to post you know I want to celebrate and cheer on and support those that are you know fighting for their marriages they're putting in the work and they are you know celebrating not just the milestones but the ordinary moments you know I want to cheer on people and I want to be encouraging to those people who they're not just posting about the new exciting stuff but the stuff that takes work you know so that's why I think it's worth talking about now because you know there's so many of us who like get a new planner in January and then when it's March we're like oh this is awkward I haven't written in my planner that I bought in January and now it's too late to use it and it's like no it's not no it's not start today so I wanted us to talk about goals now because I know for me, I need that encouragement, you know, that like habits, you know, the sum total of every milestone is like, because we showed up daily and consistently. And that can be so hard, you know, cause I, I can empathize with all those that say they lack discipline because, you know, it takes work. It is hard. And I, I feel that I can relate. So 
yeah, why do you think it's worth talking about goals and resolutions in August right now in your own life? This is how I sort of like to think about it. Goals are always important because we will be making choices based on whatever our mindset, wherever our mindset is at, whether we are putting in the bare minimum or we are going the second mile or we are hustling for approval, no matter what our mindset is, we will be making choices that impact our relationships, our work, our health, and our free time. And so goals are a way to not work tirelessly. I intentionally have such big goals that I'm not probably going to cross off every single one. For me, it's more about giving a direction to my steps so that the next time I have three hours to myself and I'm feeling rested, this is what I'm going to pour my energy into. Some people think goals are too much work when in reality my hope that as a licensed go and tell gal coach or as a girlfriend or just by leading an example that we can we can really see that making your own goals should actually free you up because instead of chasing the routine of someone else instead of trying to win the approval of a family member or um person that you used to know even we get to really focus on what we are called to. And so this doesn't mean that we don't care about other goals or won't return to them. But what I love is that they give us, goals give us freedom because we know what our priorities are. We know that, okay, this month we're actually not going to focus on this project because we have a lot of extra appointments or a lot of people coming to stay in our home or whatever but next month this we have space for this and so I love the flexibility that brings but when it comes back to the importance of it we are always making progress in one direction we are always increasing in one direction and so sitting down taking 30 minutes to three hours five minutes to say this is the direction I want to go in will ultimately help you get to a more intentional place versus just kind of following the crowd yeah I think that's so helpful what you said about goals giving us direction and giving us freedom I think it's really common uh, like among like Christian women you know I'm, I'm pretty sure like most of you that are listening can relate to us like okay we're we are Christian women and so I think it's really common to see the like the dangerous like not dangerous that's probably kind of extreme but like the misleading the pendulum maybe swinging from one yeah like from one to the other where you there's either like the the side that's like you know we're really driven we're ambition we have goals we have plans and like how do we how do we make goals and resolutions that are not only for our good, but for the glory of God, which would Mm -hmm. entail that we would need to maybe sacrifice or maybe reorient our priorities. And so, because like you said, sometimes 
we have to examine and ask ourselves, like, what is moting, what is motivating me to want to achieve this goal in the first place? You know, is yeah. it for someone else? Is it for recognition? Is it to prove to myself that I have worth? And so I think that can sometimes be a struggle. But then when the pendulum swings to the other side, I think there's some people as Christian women who are like, why even bother with writing down goals or why even bother with these resolutions if like I'm not perfect I know I can never achieve perfection and so I think it's really helpful that you mentioned like goals give us direction and they actually give us freedom like they're not meant to be burdensome and we're not meant to like be so hard on ourselves that when we fall short that we there's no need for us to believe the lie that like because we fell short that we are failures because we're still we're still going in that same direction if we had never made the goal we wouldn't be that farther down the path and so it's always a win to be making progress whether that's in your health or in a creative project or trying to get more involved in your community if you had never made the goal then you wouldn't have even been putting any energy towards it because you would just coast, or at least that's what I would be doing. And so it gives you the direction that your life is still going in a way that you want it to go, So, insofar as it depends on you, of course. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I think that it's hopefully anyone who's listening feels, like, encouraged. Whether you are... <laughs> Literally the other day, Austin was like, you are, you are a list girl. Mm-hmm. And that was so funny to hear that from my husband. Like <laughs> this phrase is just so like random. And I was like, you're so right. I do love lists. I love to do lists. I love using my notes app. I love using my planner. You know, I love trying to learn more about productivity, but goals are not just for the girl who likes those kinds of things, mm-hmm. you know? So whether it's someone who's like, I'm actually a more spontaneous, carefree girl. Even even you, if you relate to that, you can also make goals and they can help you to walk in the right direction and live in a way that's really intentional, you know? Like, I think about the psalm that says, like, Lord, would you teach us to number our days? Mm-hmm. Like, as cheesy as the word intentionality sounds because we say it so much, I know, like... <laughs> I'm right there with the girls who are like, can we stop using the word intentional? (laughs) But it's true. Like, if we're not intentional about how we make plans and goals, then, like, no matter what, time is going to keep passing by us. So how do we want to make the most out of it, you know? So, and whether you're like, oh, I am organized, or you're more spontaneous, or you own a planner or you hate planners you don't have a calendar you you know like regardless wherever you are on that spectrum remember that goals help you to give you direction and to lead to freedom so with that being said I would love to hear Emily what are some of your goals for 2023 Mm -hmm. and are those you know some personal goals do you have any professional goals related to where you are in your stage of life, in your career, in your work. And also I'd love to hear what are some of the motivations that, you know, what is the why behind some of those goals? I'd love to hear that. Yeah. So 
A long, long time ago, when I was using the Power Sheets by Cultivate What Matters, I narrowed down eight columns of my goals, and truly, they haven't changed in four to five years. Eventually, when I'm a mom, I'll probably add one more column (laughs) to the list, but a few of my columns will give insight to some of the detailed ones that I'll share. So, um... The way that I frame marriage goals is preaching the gospel in our marriage. How are people, how are people on the outside experiencing the love of God because of the way that we love each other and sacrifice for each other? How are they learning more about the Lord? And how am I showing the Lord's love to Zach in and of that itself? Lifelong learning is one I always want to be, whether that's taking a course or checking out books from the library. I don't want to stay stagnant, and I always want to be wise enough to know that I don't know most things. (laughs) So lifelong learning is a huge Mm -hmm. one. Equipping and encouragement is uh, where I see my space in writing and creating content and podcasting. And I'm trying to think stewarding is one when it comes to finances and health. Um, yeah, so those are those are the few of my bigger, you know, w- my first goal I'll share is that we want to go on more date nights. That might not be doable every single week because of our current schedules, but say no as often as makes sense so that we get that quality time. And then we've been going through a weekly mm-hmm. marriage journal, And it's the same six questions every single week, and it has been so fruitful. And so that's, you know, two pretty simple, fun things. But when we're doing both of those things and actively working in having those hard conversations, the end goal is that the gospel would be displayed in our relationship. Lifelong learning. My goal this year is to finish reading 30 books. Last year, my goal was 50, and I did not make it. So my goal this year, my secret goal, (laughs) is to actually read a little bit more than 30. Um, But I'm on track. I'm I'm one book behind on my Goodreads reading challenge. But I was like five books behind, so I'm, I'm getting closer to that being, Lord willing, a reality. This isn't as formal as I would want it to be, but I really want to get outside or read or eat breakfast or fill in the blank before sitting down to work. This summer, I had the really bad habit. If I did not have plans with friends, if I didn't have something else going on, I just woke up, changed clothes, and sat at my laptop. And it ultimately didn't lead to better work. It ultimately probably didn't lead to, I know it didn't lead to better days. And so this morning, I just went outside, sat on our balcony, read the word, and journaled. And it was so short just because of everything that I had on my to-do list, but ultimately led to a much, much better day. So just making sure the first thing I do every day isn't sitting down to work, eventually, I want a morning routine, but right now, just making sure that's not the first thing I do is a huge step in the right direction, and it's just more doable for me right now. Um, 
as we talked about on the last episode, I would really, really love, Lord willing, (laughs) to have a drafted book proposal by December 31st, 2023. So for those of you that may not know kind of what a book proposal looks like, so that looks like three finished chapters or drafted chapters, I should rather say, (laughs) and a bunch of other nuts and bolts of including books that are related to the kind of book you want to write and creating basically a business plan for how your book would sell on shelves. So let's see. Um, Wholesome lifestyle is kind of how I'm trying to frame this. So I have several diet changes in mind, exercise. Uh, Right now I'm trying to primarily walk for exercise, super calming for my nervous system, Um, and then also trying to make a lot of switches to get toxins in so much as it depends on me in the household and personal products and things like that, just out of the house. Get the junk out is basically what this goal is called. Mm -hmm. Uh, Give more time to content creation for Emily Kurt and with The Shepherd. Uh, We have a huge savings goal by October 15th because we're trying to get out of this one-bedroom apartment. And so every time I deny myself a certain purchase, I put that much into this savings fund. And the last one I'll share for today is that I would love to shut my laptop for clients by 5 p.m. every day and create stronger work-life separation so that I can rest without guilt in the evenings. I love how your list is very holistic. I know we've used that word in previous episodes about how can we care for ourselves in a way that's keeping in mind that we're not just soul and we're not just a body, but that we're both soul and body. And so I love that you mentioned like, okay, here are my here are my professional goals, here are my personal goals, here are my health goals, you know, just to be like a a healthy, whole, Mm -hmm. like well-rounded person, you know? And so I kind of have similar goals as well as it pertains to that like overarching goal of like, okay, how can I make goals for my life as it relates to my physical health, spiritual health, uh, mental health, relational health, that sort of thing. So Um, just to go through them quickly, um, I wrote establish a consistent morning and evening routine. And ever since listening to a podcast called hustle sanely, that has been a very encouraging and practical podcast. And so I've really enjoyed it. And yeah, I've just, I've been trying to do that. I'm not consistent every week or every night or you know every morning or every night but even just hearing from a woman who owns her own business creates content um, it's really encouraging to hear her share you know what works well what doesn't work well and she's a wife and a mom and so um, so yeah so establishing consistent morning and evening routines and just like simplifying it as much as possible I like how she one of her tips is that she encourages women to write down like a like no 
like a no deal breaker list like okay actually she calls them non-negotiables so she says like pick three things that you absolutely need to do and that you will not skip out on even if you run late or if you accidentally wake up late you miss your alarm like what are three things that you will do in the morning what are three things that you will do at night and so I think that has helped me because of like many years of struggling with perfectionism I used to think that, like, I just had very loftly plans for my morning routine. My dream morning routine is, like, three hours long. (laughs) And I'm like, how many people actually can put that in their schedule? You know what I mean? Like, you'd have to go to bed at, like, 8 p.m. and then wake up at, like, 5 a.m. to be able to do that before, like, you know, an 8 a.m. workday. And some of you are morning people, and maybe you do have that I don't know ability, <laughs> but I'm it's like, just not for us right now. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I just I've tried to really like take that principle and put it into practice of just like, how do I simplify my routines so that I can actually achieve it? You know, mm-hmm. like so it's actually doable. So, yeah, so I've been trying to do that. And then my good on my goodreads app the goal is 24 books i'm incredibly behind so i'm probably just going to change the goal <laughs> to be honest we're going to talk about that, gonna that we're going to talk about that um, yep. so originally my idea was like if i read two books a month i'll have 24 by the end of the year and then my other goal is i've never read the entire bible in a year i've actually never read the entire bible just in general period and so that has been really convicting to think about how I was saved at a really young age. So I've been a Christian for, if I really do the math, technically it's like two decades, 20 years. And so I want to be able to not just say it just to say it, but to actually be disciplined in that area of my life that I've struggled with for a long time. So I want to be able to say I'm a believer and I've read the entire Bible because there's still books of the Bible where I'm like, Oh, when was the last time I read mm-hmm. that? What does that even mean? So, and then the other few goals are, I've been doing the 1000 unplugged hours challenge by Hannah Brencher. She's an author and a speaker and she started this challenge. We can put the link in the show notes, but that has been really helpful is to have this physical piece of paper that is placed on my refrigerator so it's a daily reminder every time I open my fridge is you know how many unplugged hours do I have during the day and I just have learned so far that it really is a part-time job (laughs) and when I do the math you know if I want to get to a thousand in a year I have to do at least 20 hours a week of unplugged so what does that what's your stipulation on that would that be no screens at all Because like we talked about, that would be really hard. Yes. So I like how Hannah, on her website, if you want to download the free tracker, I like how the only instruction that she gives is do not include the hours that you're asleep. Other than that, it is very much flexible. Mm -hmm. And I really appreciate that because personally, at first I was like, okay, any hour that doesn't include a screen, I will track. But then I started tracking hours that I spend watching a movie where I'm actually engaging and intently watching it versus, Mm -hmm. which a lot of us do, is 
put on a movie in the background and then we're on our phone the entire time and we miss the whole plot. Right. <laughs> so I actually have been including time that I'm like, yeah, unplugged hours for me looks like going to church, time that I'm off of my phone when I'm watching a movie and I'm actually watching it with family or friends or just by myself and I'm actually paying attention and typically like any sort of activity that I'm doing that just doesn't involve scrolling on my phone. So I love that. I include like, yeah, if I'm like working out, I include that. If I go on a walk, if I hung out with a friend, if I, yeah, like intentionally made a phone call, but that it was for the sake of like connecting. Mm -hmm. I even include that because like, I'm not just like, scrolling for the sake of like I'm trying to numb right you know what I mean or cope Mm -hmm. so yeah and then another goal is trying to move my body daily so I I used to be very strict about like numbers like I need to have like this amount as you can tell I have like a certain amount of books I want to read during the year and a certain amount of unplugged hours but I'm really trying my best to not have hours as it relates to like a workout or like devotional time because yeah I used to get so stuck in that rut of like well if I don't read the Bible for an hour in the morning then like that wasn't quality quiet time with the Lord right or I also used to think like well I have to work out for a full hour and it has to be cardio for it to be like healthy or worthwhile and so now I've just like have really enjoyed for anyone familiar with bar three I love how it's usually full body workouts, a little bit of cardio, a little bit of stretching, um, a little bit of weight. So it's like really well-rounded. So trying to move my body daily and not giving myself like a time limit or like a time minimum. Like if I moved my body for 10 minutes or if I moved my body for 10 hours, like, you know, if I was on my feet all day or not, like I want to just be healthier. And so it's okay if it's a 15 minute stretch versus a 45 minute cardio workout. I've been doing the same thing. It's been really helpful. Yeah. Yeah. And it kind of just like helps with, yeah, just overall being healthier. And then lastly, just grow my email newsletter. So it's been encouraging to see how I reached out to a few different writers that I started following on social media a few months ago and said, Hey, I want to repurpose my, Um, my thrive guide that I started about two and a half years ago. And so it's been fun to see like, because of these connections, other women are wanting to read the thrive guide because, you know, these writers, you know, they have their own following. They have women that are, you know, interested in their work and their writing. So that's been really encouraging in a season where I was just kind of like, I want to give up. I want to quit this newsletter. (laughs) I hadn't seen growth in like, six months and it was very encouraging so it's just a reminder for me of like grow my email newsletter stop trying to focus on the numbers and just keep writing so yeah those are my those are my goals
I like to use that phrase that I first heard from author Brene Brown. She calls herself a a recovering perfectionist. And that was the first time I had ever heard of that term. And that really resonated with me. So I think the encouragement that I would hope that any, any gal who's listening, who struggles with perfectionism and is really hard on herself and who not only struggles with perfectionism, but the burden of regret. Um, I think I often, that's something that like I have to wrestle through is like, okay, the, the past is the past. I cannot change it. Dwelling on it is, is not going to help me. It's not, we can learn from our past choices, but praise God, like we said at the beginning that in Christ, we are never stuck. And so my encouragement to the gal who's listening, who's like, it's August. I haven't used that new planner that I bought. I'm embarrassed to, you know, get a new one at the beginning of next year, because why even bother? If you feel like you are stuck and you feel like you are just really burdened by regret, I want to remind you that Matthew 6 says, worrying can add a single hour to your life. And I just, that's one of my favorite passages. I've talked about it before on the podcast, Matthew 6. Just read the whole thing, but especially the last like 10, 15 verses from 20 to 33, because it's just a reminder to the person who struggles with worry that God is taking care of us. God is sustaining us. What are, I think it's helpful to ask ourselves, what are we worrying about and why are we worrying about it? And so if you are feeling stuck, if you are feeling burdened, if you are feeling defeated when it comes to goals and dreams and plans and aspirations, I just want to remind you that worrying is not going to add a single hour to our lives. And I say that as someone who needs that reminder daily, because I'm that girl that starts doing the five-year plan. And I'm like, the Bible literally says tomorrow's not guaranteed. Like I need to grow in trusting the Lord that he is my provider. And two, that, you know, when one day when we stand in front of the Lord, like he's not going to say, you know, Hey, good job for all your achievements. You know, the word says like, he's going to say, well done, good and faithful servant, not well done, good and busy servant or perfect servant or productive servant. So I think sometimes I tend to confuse productivity and performance with faithfulness. Like just because I'm busy doesn't actually mean I'm being a faithful steward. And that is like hard to hear, but I, you know, I need to hear that you know, often. So I hope that anyone else who needs that reminder that, you know, you would take comfort in that, knowing that like the Lord cares about faithfulness and how we steward our time and our gifts and our skills and talents, they're going to look differently. And so, yeah, worrying doesn't add a single hour to our lives. And so we need to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and trust that the Lord takes care of us.
Yep. Something that I always recommend first, and it seems like such a paradox, or maybe it seems like running in the opposite direction, but if you are feeling really stuck and feeling like you can't make progress in the thing that you're wanting to do, is to quit something that you are doing for the street cred and not because the Lord told you to do it. Um, recently, I let go of a client that I had been called to work with, and it was really fruitful to be walking alongside them for a while, but their needs shifted, and I wasn't going to be able to do creative work, even though the opportunity to remain was there. So my relationship was still strong with them, but I knew it was time to let go of overworking. And because of the goals that I mentioned earlier, I want to have more quality time with my husband. I want to spend more time creating content for Emily Kurt and with the shepherd and all of those things. If it made sense within the budget, it made sense to let go, but it hurt it felt like a really painful loss because of the other things that it added to my life. And I think we just have to look at, this is another area where, um, I'll skip ahead to my last recommendation because this will make a lot more sense. So one of the things I would encourage everyone to do is to look at the legacy you want to leave and then work backward. And in this case, looking at my legacy and working backward, it didn't mean that that was, um, that that client was taking away from that in and of itself and in and of the work itself. But I was in a place of overworking and waking up in the morning and sitting down at my laptop and then not getting up from my laptop until someone else needed me to run to the store or someone else needed me to meet them for dinner. (laughs) And just this like constant running. And that is something that I know I don't want to pass on. I want to have margin. I want to have the margin to have an extra cup of coffee and prayer in the morning. I want to have the margin to be interruptible. And I had packed everything in so tightly that I wasn't interruptible. And so that is when I knew that it was something that, you know, was worth the cost of the sacrifice. Another thing that I would take care of first is your physical body in addition to your spiritual and emotional health. So in the last four of the five weeks of the end of the summer here, we've had travel every single weekend. This past Saturday, I took the day off with my husband on Saturday. By 10 p.m., I was so ready to go back to work. I had so many Instagram post ideas. I had so many (laughs) ideas for the podcast. I knew about, I, I was just dreaming about what the future of the podcast meant and all the things. I just couldn't wait to sit down and work. And so I would say, give yourself time to just be a human. 
for the joy of living without any productivity attached to it. But you'll also be surprised at how quickly it rejuvenates you in other areas of your life as well. So touching back again on the legacy you want to leave, it truly helps you understand your why, whether it's why you want to move your body every day, why you want to make clean switches in your products, uh, why you want to grow in your knowledge of theology. And so, because if you don't know why, you'll be working for this arbitrary approval when instead you can be living from the heart of Christ with bringing it back to what you said at the beginning, true fruitfulness truly is made up of daily habits. So in summary, quit something that you're doing for street cred. Make sure the Lord told you to do it. Take care of your physical body and remember that in addition to your spiritual and emotional self, you need to eat. You need to take a break. You need to sleep. And then thirdly, look at the legacy you want to leave. Who do you want to be when you're 80? What do you want people to say at your funeral? Um, And work backwards from that. And if you need a friend, if you need a coach, we're here to cheer you on in DMs. And I am absolutely here at With the Shepherd to help you take strategic steps forward. Yes, we really do hope that when you, you know, when this episode is over, when you put pause on the podcast, that you would walk away with practical advice and truth-filled, spirit-filled encouragement, remembering, like, you know, always going back to the Lord, like, the why. Why am I doing this? Who am I doing this for? And, yeah, so thank you so much, Emily, for sharing. I loved hearing about your goals and the why behind them. And I'm feeling encouraged. I'm excited to to not give up on those goals and to remember that, you know, everything that we've talked about in this episode is with the heart, that it's not about living from a place of guilt, but from a place of grace. So mm-hmm. even if, you know, we have these goals and, you know, there, you have a hard week or you have a hard month or you have a hard day and you are behind, like know that you're never stuck. Praise God that we can hold to the promise that's in Lamentations 3 where it says, the Lord's mercies are new every single day. Great is his faithfulness. So praise God that he's merciful to us every single day. When we wake up, we get that fresh start and we don't have to wait for a new year to have that new beginning, that fresh start. So let's start where we are, right where we're at and not give up because why wait until 2024 to continue the goals that we started out this year when again like we've said all of these habits take repetition take practice and so why wait like we still have almost six months left you know a little less than six months of the year so the year's not over so we hope that you are encouraged as you listen to this episode. We are super excited to officially announce our next series, which is Disciples in the Digital Age, Living as Believers Online and Offline. And so we're going to chat about social media. We're going to talk about stewarding our lives online. What does that mean? How do we do that? We're going to talk about social media boundaries. We're going to talk about how do we handle criticism and then so much more. So I'm so excited to get to chat about all of these topics with 
my good friend Emily, and we can't wait for you to hear it. So stay tuned, catch up on some old episodes, and we look forward to chatting with you soon about how to be a disciple in the digital age. Thanks for joining us for Graceful Goals. I'm personally so grateful for the push to think through it myself because it has helped me reframe and remember the direction that I am going, that my family is going. And so I'm so grateful to be looking at what looking at goals through the lens and heart of grace means for us. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Thank you.